um, or just kind of that angry tone of, hey, the world's falling apart and we got we to gotta hunker down and make sure, you know, you know what I mean? Are we been doing okay on that? Remember I said like, hey, let's not do that. Let's not talk. Let's just try and talk about life and what we see in culture in general. And if it gets whiny and unconstructive and negative, then let's, let's take a pause. Um, it's funny. I, I think this teaching this morning, I, I hope it doesn't get too bad. I feel like this one might be a little bit more of the, the negative side of things. But um, I want to talk about social media. To do that, we got to start with one of the greatest technological advancements in modern history. Anybody want to guess what it is? Twitter. Twitter. Okay, good guess. Facebook. Facebook, another good guess. Cell phone, another good guess. The Internet's a great guess. Here it is right here. I brought it with me. The shovel. You guys didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, the shovel. Um, Think about this shovel, right? Because... If you were to begin, this is a technological advancement, isn't it? Right? At some point, somebody created the shovel, and this was used to what? To do work, to change, right? So if you were to take this technological advancement here, this beautiful piece of machinery, the shovel, and you were begin to use it on a regular basis, right? How would that change you? How would that shape you? Okay, work out your back and your legs. Beautify your garden. It could beautify, well, shape you personally, but it could beautify your garden. Yep. Strength, endurance. You could have, again, if you use this, say, two hours or four hours or six hours a day, you'd probably have a stronger heart, right? Your cardiovascular system would improve. Your lungs would improve. Um, you might lose weight. Again, Brian, you said bigger, stronger arms. You might even get some calluses on the bottom of your feet from using it, right? <clears throat> the thing about this tool, and, and there was a, um, a guy named John Culkin, and, and John was a, a media writer. Um, he was a kind of like a critic, like a, but more in the phil- uh, philosophical range. Um, he was a priest. Uh, he passed about 30 years ago, but he said this statement about technology and about the kind of things of technology. And here's why I talk about the shovel. He says, because we shape the tools... And then the tools shape us, right? At some point, we shaped and we made this shovel. And it was probably crude at the very beginning, and it's evolved, and there's all sorts of different shovels now. But again, if you were to use this tool, this tool would shape you. We have used this tool, and this tool has helped shape our society. It's enabled us to dig, and to, um, we've you know, kind of evolved the shovel into bigger and better machinery. But this tool has literally shaped us. It's shaped our society. Are you with me with that? Now, when you think about social media, right, as an advancement, as a tool, social media primarily shapes what area of our lives? Our minds. Good, right? And the thing about our minds, the thing about our brains is that our brains function like muscles, Repeated mental tasks rewire neural pathways to be better at that task, okay? So your brain, again, if you were to use this shovel, just think about this shovel, right? It would shape kind of the physical, cardiovascular part of your body, right? A lot of the technology, a lot of social media, what it does is, is, it, is it rewires the neural pathways to be better at that task. So, for example, 
If you were to use another technological advancement, I'll put this one right here. If you were to use another technological advancement, say this, what's this? Generally, don't think of it specifically. A book, right? And if you use this technological advancement and you spent the majority of your time, right, reading books, your brain would actually rewire itself to become better at reading books, right? You could think of TV. If you spent considerable amount of time, say this is our TV screen, watching TV, your brain rewires itself to be better at watching TV, right? Now again, go to social media. You go to social media, right? Social media tweets, if you were to spend the majority of your time reading, is Twitter still 140 characters or has it moved on to like 280? Who knows? Anybody? Social media? Like initially Twitter was 140 characters. It was supposed to be real small, brief, short. I think it's a little bit more now. But if you were to spend all of your time reading these short sentence style tweets, Again, your brain rewires the neural pathways to be better at that task, to read it quicker, to understand it, to process it. If your brain, again, Facebook, Instagram, if it's all about just kind of scrolling, right, and looking, and just kind of, your brain, again, rewires its pathways. I think I've said about 15 times. I think you guys get the point by now. There's a, uh, one of the books that I was doing some reading with this week, and it was a really fascinating book. It was, I had bought it when I did a series a long time ago. I never got around to it, but I re-engaged it this week. It's called From the Garden to the City, um, and it talks about kind of technology specifically in, 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 as a Christian, as a disciple. It's by a guy named John Dyer, and John says this in his book. I thought this was really fascinating um, because he talks about all these sorts of things, but he says, you know, a good portion of the Christian life requires the ability to concentrate and focus on ideas over long periods of time. Spiritual depth requires the ability to pray for more than a few minutes, to read and memorize scripture, not search for it online, and to love God with our hearts and minds. This means we must be careful to cultivate and retain the skill of reading and deeply contemplating the things of God, something the internet and social media does not value. We cannot read or live deeply when we spend all of our time scanning, scrolling, or when we allow distractions to rule our mind. When we talk about social media, right, one of the problems is that, um, is that uh, all of it is kind of in this, pithy, short, scroll, scan, uh, shallow format, isn't it, right? And Dyer's making the comment that part of what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, is to have this depth to us, right? And, and we've seen, we can see kind of, sometimes we see that kind of shallow Christianity, and then we know those people in whom have weight and depth in their lives, and we value those people in our lives, don't we? Right? So, Dyer says this about being a Christian. Um, John, as he was talking last week, he made this really interesting comment when he was talking about news media, right? And he said one of the things about news media is behind the news media organizations, behind Fox and CNN and MSNBC, who else is out there? Who's the big players? Um, CNBC, you know, kind of behind these news media organizations, you have all these people who are paid 
to get you to spend more time engaging the news media and to outrage you and to, you know what I mean? This is like, it, the news media isn't this unbiased level, you know, objective organization. It is a business. And their business is to get you glued or to interact with the, their news media, right? Remember when John talked about that? The same is true about social media, right? Their job is to keep you glued, right? To keep you engaged, to keep you on social media. What was that? The movie a couple years ago, um, here's the picture. The, the Social Network, yeah, okay. So The Social Network. There was Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Justin Timberlake and Daniel. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield, yeah, right? And this, these are like the social media guys right here, um, Zuckerberg and Parker uh, and whoever that guy is. Uh, this guy, Sean Parker, remember, played by Justin Timberlake, he did an interview. This is a really fascinating little piece here. He did an interview on a website called Axios, right? And he was talking about on this website called Axios, he was talking about the development of the Facebook apps. Does anybody have that on their phone, the Facebook app? Okay, a few of you. Uh, Messenger app, Instagram app. Anybody have any of those apps on their phone? Who has those apps on their phone? Okay. So, again, Facebook owns Instagram. If you guys missed that billion-dollar purchase a couple years ago. Um, but he was talking about the development of these apps. This guy in the middle, this Sean Parker kind of guy uh, who, who was the Justin Timberlake character. And as he was talking about these apps, he says this about it. Remember, remember they, their job is just to keep you glued to this thing, right? He says this. He says... Sorry about this, this is a really long quote, but he says the thought process that went into building these apps, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? And that means we need to give you, we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit. Dopamine is the chemical that's released in your brain when you experience pleasure. I'm going to come back to dopamine in a second. We need to give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on a photo or post or whatever. And that's going to get you to contribute more content. And that's going to get you more likes and comments. It's a social validation feedback loop. Exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology or in, or in human neurology, right? They understand, right, they understand that when you get a like, right, when you get a little bit of a like, it does something to your brain. It, reduce, it releases that dopamine. When you eat a good slice of pizza, it releases dopamine in your brain. It's what helps you experience pleasure. It's what helps you know that something is good, right? When you get a like, a comment, a post, a little notification ding on your phone, it releases this dopamine in your brain, right? However, what they're saying is that we are becoming, the more we engage in smartphones, social media technology, we're becoming addicted to this dopamine, right? We, get, and, and we end up getting... <laughs> we do like it better than Chinese food, that's probably right. And we end up wanting more and more and more. What happens is, think about an addict, right? An addict starts off with, with one beer, right? And then it's two beers, and it's three beers. But you know that addict who needs a six-pack just to take the buzz off because their baseline is so much higher, right? That addict who needs a 12-pack 
or a handle of vodka or half a vodka or whatever it is because they've made their baseline so high, right? That that's what they need just to feel that effect of alcohol or whatever drug it is. What they're saying, what people are saying, what, what the studies are showing is that this is the same thing that's happening in social media. We're so used to getting likes and comments and we're so used to getting these little dopamine hits from social media, from our phones, that our baseline has become so high. Here's the thing, is that too much dopamine, I'm sorry if this is hard to read, it ends up flooding the pleasure, uh, the pleasure center portion of your brain, right? It inhibits you to experience ordinary pleasure. This is called anhedonia, which leads to serious emotional disorders, including major depression. How much time are we spending these days talking about mental health? Right? We're talking all the time, mental health this, mental health that. Part of the problem, I would say, and again, I'm not, I'm not a crazy expert in this, is probably that we've released so much dopamine in our brains from all this social media, technology, all this sort of stuff, people can't experience ordinary pleasure anymore, right? And they're experiencing this called anhedonia, which leads to serious emotional disorders, including major depression. I was reading another article, too, where people were going on, they were calling dopamine fast. These, um, these workers up in Silicon Valley were just going for a week without any smartphone, technology, social media interaction, just to kind of reset their brain levels. They had to completely disengage from all of this, uh, all this technology, right? Um, now, when we talk about social media specifically, right, social media is doing this. It's, it's, it's releasing this dopamine, right? You get that like, you get that, you scroll through and you like that picture, uh, you get that comment, um, you get that engagement. It's, every time, it's just this little dopamine, right? Here's the thing about social media is that the average American spends about 705 hours on social media a year. And we could say it's just under two hours a day, right? Under two hours a day. Um, so this is, this is a lot of dope that I would say is on our brain. Now, as I'm thinking about social media, I want to kind of talk about two things. And by the way, I was thinking about this, is there's a thousand avenues to talk about this. I only have kind of two. But I was thinking about in this room, right, I would say there's, for the most part, there's probably two, two types of people. I'm just kind of looking around seeing who's. We would have what I would say are contributors and consumers. This is all saying the same thing. Posters and perusers. We have the involved and the inactive. There's probably two categories, right? Maybe you are a contributor to social media or you post stuff or you're involved in it. Maybe you're, I feel like I'm kind of in more in that second kind of column, a, a consumer or a peruser. I'm not very active on social media. It's a spectrum, right? So you kind of have people who are, you know, the person who's posting all the time on social media and you're like, holy smokes, how do they find the time? And then there's people who don't have that much time to post on social media. But there's some sort of a spectrum. And I think that everyone in this room, as I'm kind of looking around, falls somewhere on that spectrum, right? Whether, again, you're kind of just consumed, you occasionally go on Instagram and scroll through, or you go through Facebook and kind of peruse what's happening, um, or you're just kind of inactive, but you might have an account. There's, there's, this, there's this, um, this kind of, um, we're, we're all operating on this, on this um, 
What was the word I used? Spectrum. spectrum, thank you. I was going to say scale, but I know it was the word spectrum. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for paying attention, too. I am going to give you a gold star after church right on your shirt right here, like a big sheriff's badge or something like that. Okay? So whether you're a contributor or a consumer, whether you're a poster or a peruser involved or inactive, I want to talk about two things about social media. That's all I got. And again, I think that there's probably 2,000 things to talk about it. I've been thinking about these two words, mirrors and megaphones, or mirrors and microphones. Okay. The first one I want to talk about here is mirrors. Uh, the Greek legend Narcissus. Who is familiar with the Greek legend of Narcissus? Mark, tell us. Okay, he's enthralled. Okay, anybody have any other blanks to fill in on that legend, that Greek legend? Johnny, you're going to get a gold star too. <laughs> uh, Narcissus, right, this kind of Greek legend, it's, it's told in a, a lot of different variations. One variation, He's out hunting, right? And he's thirsty. And he sees this pool of water. And as he's dipping down to get a drink of his water, of water, what does he see? Himself. And he so falls in love with himself, right? That as he bends down to have some water, um, you know, as you kind of get closer to water, your image distorts, right? And he doesn't want to actually go in the water because that would mess up his image. So he ends up staring at the pool of water, and he dies of what? Thirst, right? And there, I don't know, this one doesn't quite have it, but there, there's actually a flower. It's called a narcissist flower. Has anybody heard of the narcissist flower? And it has this bent neck and this kind of pretty face, so to speak, right? Um, and, and, and the narcissist flower kind of rises up from where narcissist ends up dying, right? Uh, narcissist is such a, an interesting example as we talk about social media because have you ever noticed, and I did not notice this, this was something that I learned this week, have you ever noticed that whenever you log into whatever social media account that you have, there is a picture of yourself staring right back at yourself? So here's on my computer, here's my Facebook, and here I am here, here's Narcissus right here, here's Narcissus right here, right? Here's Narcissus right here, right? And these pictures that stare back at us, here's my Instagram account that I have. Again, here's a picture of me here on my Instagram account. Um, my Instagram account, not very active. This was, yeah. picture was taken this summer. This is Julia, <laughs> the last time I posted. So, um, so, but again, here's, here's this. Uh, here is uh, one of the Twitter writers that I like to follow. He covers the Dallas Cowboys. Again, here's a picture of him, a very nice, handsome picture of Mr. Nick Eatman. Here he is uh, promoting his book. Again, here's Nick again. Here's Nick again, right? Here's my wife. She doesn't even know I did this. I snuck into her Pinterest, and I got her Pinterest. Here's a nice picture of my wife in here on her Pinterest. Here's another picture of my wife. Do you see how often this mirrors ourself back to one of ourselves, right? When you think about that picture as well, right, it's that picture that you choose. Anybody 
choose when, for any of their social media accounts, like, man, I'm going to go find like the worst picture of myself and post it. That's going to be my profile picture, right? It's not like I came up with this one. Here's a picture of myself. This is not going to be my profile picture. My eyes are closed. Jeanette's eyes are closed looking away. My father-in-law's in the background. There's some random chain link fence, right? We want our pictures, they're, they're, we want them to be a good picture. There's probably some sort of, come on, who's got a filter on their profile picture, right? I don't know if anybody in this room, but perhaps um, you've applied some sort of app, Facetune. Anybody know about these apps, right? To smooth out your face or to change the hue on your face, right? And we do this, and again, go back to this. Think about this mirroring, narcissist, narcissistic piece of, of, uh, of life, right? Of social media. It's just mirroring it back to us. Mike Cosper in his book, it's called Recapturing the Wonder. He says this, as we talked about this kind of mirror portion. He says, an incredible amount of energy goes into curating our online personas. Kim Kardashian, how can we talk about social media without talking about Kim Kardashian? <laughs> Kim Kardashian, the patron saint of social media, once said she needed about 1,200 selfies in order to get the good ones that she could post online. Now, she's an extreme example, to be sure, but she shines the light on the promise of social media, the chance to carefully edit and display and mirror the best version of ourselves to the world. The result is that people increasingly prefer online interaction to face-to-face. -face. We can display a version of ourselves that, if not better looking, may be more witty, smart, generous, or compassionate. Social media has a very, I would call it, uh, a very insidious propensity for us to simply mirror and reflect ourselves, right? When in reality, you and I, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, were designed and we were created not to simply hold a mirror in front of ourselves and to reflect ourselves and to reflect ourselves to the world. We were designed to reflect who? God, right? When you think about Genesis, in the very beginning, God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over all the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in whose image? In God's image. You and I were designed, we were created to reflect God. In the image of God, he created them male and female. We were created to reflect the image of God. Paul in Corinthians says, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. John chapter 3, um, one of these just breathtaking passages as John the Baptist is realizing his vocation. You heard me tell you before that I am not the Messiah, but, I am cer but certainly I am the messenger sent ahead of him. Jesus is the bridegroom, and the bride belongs to him. I'm the friend of the bridegroom who stands nearby and listens with great joy to the bridegroom's voice. And because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. So it is necessary for Jesus to increase and for me to be diminished. What does social media tell us? 
you should increase. Your presence, the amount of people that follow you should increase, right? And as Christians, we say, uh, I don't think so. My job here on earth is simply to reflect the divine image to this world of God, of Jesus, of what he's doing in my life, right? Social media will give us the mirror. It will show us that it's just all about us. The book that we recently just finished um, by A.J. Swoboda, um, The Dusty Ones, he quotes a guy in this book about a guy named Ron Frost. And Ron says this, he says, the contemporary obsessions of the Western civilization suggest that the, quote, gift of a mirror may well be the best metaphor for sin. As in the apparent account of the satanic fall in Ezekiel 28, 17. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. The gaze of faith can only be on one who exists as our eternal other, on Jesus. So that the solution to the fall is not found in a mirror, but in magnifying the capital O, other, but in magnifying Jesus, who in turn reveals his Father to us, and all of this by the presence of the Spirit who is our life and our love. Swoboda then sums this up and he says, Satan's gift to us is a mirror. I want us to think of social media in the way of a mirror. To get us to focus on ourselves. Jesus' gift to us is a window so that we can pay attention to others. Jesus' followers can see outside themselves. So the first piece here of social media is I think that social media um, can often function as a giant mirror that allows us, like narcissists, to just continually stare at ourselves while we die of thirst. Right? The second piece here, the megaphone, the microphone. I had this thought of doing this part of the, the sermon either yelling into a megaphone or yelling into a microphone. Be thankful that we're not going to do that this morning. <laughs> megaphones, microphones. This great proverb, and I'm just going to quote it in a couple different translations because I think that this kind of sums up this megaphone, this, this microphone. Social media is often just people shouting into the megaphone broadcasting, right? Proverb says, A fool does not care whether he understands a thing or not. All he wants to do is show how smart he is. Fools care nothing for thoughtful discourse. All they do is run off at the mouth. A rebel doesn't care about the facts. All he wants to do is yell. Fools do not want to understand anything. They only want to tell others what they think. Senseless people find no pleasure in acquiring true wisdom. For all they want to do is impress you with what they know. Right, um, And when we talk about this, obviously as um, Solomon would have been writing these words, he would have been talking about verbal, somebody who's just orating or, or talking out loud, right? But this could be a verbal thing. This could also be a visual thing. Um, social media has this tendency for us to just kind of try and impress people with what we know, try and tell others what we think, 
Um, and then again, this is sometimes verbal where we're writing our comments. This is sometimes visual where we're posting of what we're doing or how things are going or we're posting these memes, right? But a lot of times in social media, it's just kind of this, this broadcasting, this megaphone, this, this microphone, right? Um, we live, one of the writers I was reading says, we live in a culture of display, right? We live in a culture of display. There's a brilliant author, her name's Hannah Arndt. She wrote this. I thought this was so uh, poignant about her writing this. She says, a life spent entirely in public, a life spent entirely broadcasting, right, shouting, megaphones, in the presence of others becomes, as we would say it, shallow. While it retains its visibility, it loses the quality of rising into sight from some darker ground, which must remain hidden if it is not to lose its depth in a very real non subjective sense. So, Miss Hannah Arndt, as she's writing this, by the way, she writes this in what year? 1958. Right? How relevant is this for today? She's using this gardening or this planting metaphor where she says, a lot of people, all they want to do is kind of show off. And they have no darker ground. They have no depth which must remain hidden for them to have that depth, for them to have those roots, right? So aren't, as she's talking about this, as she's talking about this kind of life, this shallow life, right? She, she, she uses this kind of content where she says, I mean, this is so relevant because so much of our lives today is just, it's just visible. It's just what we shout. It's just broadcasting Again, it's just using a microphone or a megaphone to tell people what we think, to show people what we're doing, to uh, give people our opinions, to, um, to, you know, say, hey, this is what's happening, right? One of my favorite verses in Thessalonians, I just love this verse. I've always come back to this verse. I think it's such a poignant verse. Christians, we don't pay attention. This is like the anti-social media verse. Are you ready? Please try to live a quiet life and mind your business. <laughs> a great verse. Would, it, would the world do better right now if we had a few more people simply living a quiet life and just kind of minding their business, right? Instead of everybody, every day, on their megaphone, on their microphone, broadcasting, shouting, verbally, visually, what they're doing, what they're up to, where they've been, right? Try to live a quiet life. Mind your own business. Now, I know that I told, said this at the beginning, this has kind of been a pessimistic view of social media, right? Let me use a metaphor for what I'm getting at here with social media, with technology, with all these things. Um, I feel like I've kind of operated this teaching kind of over here in the red light, right? And what I've studied, and, and this is just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg, what I've been learning and I've been studying about this, like there's a lot of stuff that we need to just say, hey, hold on, stop, pump the brakes, right? We live in a culture that says, hey, engage, get more followers, post, um, we have the apps that are telling us that are trying to consume as much of our conscious attentions as possible. We're bored. We just keep going with social media, right? I want us to think about social media here, right? A yellow light. Uh, anybody run a yellow light and it's closer to red than yellow? What's that called? It's called a ticket. <laughs> it's called, anybody call it, call it the orange light? You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Uh, sometimes when I, you know, when you run that red light, and like, man, that was an orange light. That was not yellow. Huh? It was, um, you know what I mean? And I would put social media here in this kind of orange light. Sorry for my really bad Photoshop, cheesy orange light cut and paste here. I would put it here. As we get into this intersection, as we think about social media, and again, we live in such this, we live in this green light world where it's just do and it's don't think about it and there's no consequence. Social media is rewiring the neural pathways in our brain. It is. Right? And if you're up for that, if you want to do that and want to go down that road, I would say, okay. But again, we have to think that much of the Christian life requires depth. Social media, the internet, technology is not really in favor of that. Right? We need to move into these sorts of things with great caution as if we're approaching this intersection and it's yellow. And we're saying, okay, I need to slow down in this intersection and see what's going on. Let me give you just a few tips, um, just some practical, helpful stuff to maybe, and I want to challenge you to do one of these three things, okay? First one's this. Uh, I would say it's called, one of the things I was reading about was called a social media Sabbath. Anybody do this? Social media Sabbath? Social media Sabbath is where you just take a regular break from social media. So here is um, a chart. This was from a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And the question is hard to read, but it says, do you take regular breaks from social media? 60% of people just say that they never do. And I'm in that. I don't ever take a break from social media. There's no day that I don't check my phone. This has been incredibly challenging for me, and I will implement this. Um, some people say for a while, anybody do it during Lent or something like that? Maybe I could raise my hand and say, yeah, I've, I've taken some breaks here and there. Um, anybody just delete it? I'm out, <laughs> right? 17%. Some people say for parts of the day where they just won't go on it, maybe until noon or they'll take a two-hour break or whatever. And about 5% of the people say one day a week. I, I was really challenged by this last one here, this one day a week. Where just one day a week, you just say, eh, I'm not going to go on those apps. I'm not going to go on those websites. I'm just going to take a break from social media. I don't need to see kind of the latest and the greatest. So a social media Sabbath, I think, would be a very good uh, possibility or a very good opportunity for you just to kind of, de- de- um, again, all that dopamine that gets kind of stored up in your brain to just kind of take a, take a break from them, right? And, you know, some people, you might want to do it for a week, might want to do it for a month. Um, but there is this idea of just taking a Sabbath, just taking a day of rest from these things. The second thing I would say is this, is setting, and this has become so easy for us too, especially the iPhone folks, and I think Android probably has something similar, but is just to set some screen time limits. And just think about this, because Apple came out with this a couple years ago in one of their iOS updates, and they've realized that if people have become more and more addicted and more and more dependent on technology, it's actually damaging people's brains, right? This is what they said, right? We understand that this is more and more screen time is damaging to brains. And so they just said, here's an opportunity. We're going to build screen time limits into your operating system on your phone so you can just kind of slow down and use less, right? Um, Again, freedom here is not found in not having restrictions, but having the right restrictions. Sometimes we just need to say, I just need to restrict myself from certain things. What if you went in here and you can just do certain apps? I'm going to give myself 30 minutes a day on Instagram. 
Facebook, Messenger, Pinterest, Twitter, right? I'm going to schedule downtime on my phone or my phone just kind of doesn't ding, doesn't notify me, doesn't get updates, right? I'm going to limit, this is me, by the way, I, I spend about two hours a day on my phone. Um, I'm going to spend, um, I'm just going to decrease, I'm going to limit myself maybe to an hour and a half a day on my phone, right? So there are these limits that you can set in your phone for social media, for apps. Um, if you really want to take it to the extreme, and I love this idea, and I'm, I'm really contemplating on doing this. There was a guy, uh, his name was Jake Knapp, Jake Knapp, and he had this idea of a dumb phone. Has anybody heard of a dumb phone? Here's his idea of a dumb phone. What he did, and you can tell when he did this, this was kind of back in the day, if you can tell by the icons, is he just deleted and eliminated all the apps from his phone, right? So this was his like kind of home screen. So again, we use our phone, that's good. We use our camera, we use messages, right? Here's Google Maps, music, clock, weather, uh, reminders, notes, photos, settings. He has this little um, folder here. It's called the future. This is where he would put things, and Uber wouldn't have been around then, but he would have put things such as Uber. He would have put like his, I think he had um, an American Airlines app in there. He did a lot of flying, so obviously having that app would have been helpful. Um, I think he had like the New York City subway transit app in there as well. So things that help him, but not apps that you'd be like, hey, let me just go scroll the New York City Transit app. or my, You know what I mean? Things that just kind of help him uh, in the world. But he basically created his phone into a dumb phone. And it was just helpful for him just to kind of really disconnect from all the nonsense that happens on our phone. So these three things, and again, I, I would challenge you to, to at least do one of them, right? Take a Sabbath. Figure that out. If it's just a portion of the day each week, if it's a day a week, if you just want to say, hey, I need to check out for the month of December. I want to check out until Christmas, right? And we can, average American, so I'm looking around this room, average person in this room is spending two hours a day on social media, right? I want to go do something else. I want to take a walk. I want to go for a hike. I want to go for a swim. I want to listen to music. I want to write a letter. I want to clean Two hours a day, you just say, I'm going to take a Sabbath for a day, a week, whatever, right? Uh, set a screen time limit on something in your phone. Or if you just want to go all in, if you want to do the dumb phone, come talk to me. Because like I said, I'm 95% sure that I want to try this for a good portion. Um, so if you're in like, in like, hey, let's go do that dumb phone thing together and see how it works out for us. Um, come talk to me and, and, if, and, and we can talk each other into it. Because I like it. I really like it. Right? A lot of the stuff that you end up opening because you're bored. right? So I get bored and open up a news app. I get bored and open up a finance app. I get bored and scroll the internet. Um, and just to kind of say, if you're into that, you've got to come talk to me. Um, let me close with some words from the Apostle John. Uh, the Apostle John says, and he talks about technology. It's so great when he talks about technology in Second John. He says, John says, I got a lot more, th the Apostle John, he's like, I got a lot more things to tell you, but I'd rather not use paper and ink. Paper and ink was technology in the day, wasn't it? Right? I hope to be there soon in person and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk. That will be far more satisfying to both you and to both me. Again, social media, like paper and ink, it has a place. I don't want to just say, hey, throw it away, you know, get rid of it, delete it. 
it has a place, right? It helps us connect with one another. It helps us connect with those who aren't geographically present to us. It helps kind of allow us to know what's going on in life. It's technology. And John says, I got a lot of things to tell you, but I'd rather not use social media. I want to be there in person and have a heart-to-heart talk. That will be far more satisfying for both you, to both you and me. We started with the shovel. We shape the tools and then the tools shape us. If we use these tools, social media, technology, um, without reflection, that shaping will eventually make its way into our souls, influencing how we see ourselves and see others and what we think is important. Right? Sound good? Let me say a word of prayer and then let's take a little bit of time and discuss. Um, God, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you speak to my brothers and sisters in this room? Um, Show them? Uh, Again, we're all on that spectrum somewhere. We're involved, we're inactive, we're a poster, we're a peruser. God, you got a word for, this is such a huge part of the world that we live in. And you got a word from my brothers and sisters here this morning. Would you surprise them with that word? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us this morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some questions. What? Turn the heater back on. Is it freezing in here? I'm like all preaching up here warm, getting sweaty like my dad, feeling all Pentecostal. Anybody else getting cold? Um, I realize <laughs> I forgot to do some questions. Let me do a few, and then I'll throw them up there. So just turn to the person next to you and jump out with those three P's, praise, pushback, problems, and I'll throw three questions up on the screen real quick.
Yeah, again, other questions too. Where do you, on the spectrum, do you fall? Consumer or contributor, kind of, where would you put yourself in that? Uh, mirror or megaphone, what is the bigger danger for you in your life that you would just kind of mirror yourself or you would be shouting too much? And then social media Sabbath, screen time limit, dumb phone, or maybe there's another thing that the Lord said, hey, do this, throw your phone away. <laughs> Delete your account. Uh, what step might you take this week? So again, the, the three Ps, just kind of general stuff or any of those three questions. Okay, so hot. Good morning, son. Good morning, how are you? Good, good to see you. That looks delicious. What are you thinking, Johnny? Huh? What are you thinking? Uh, Anything about Chinese food still? A little bit. A little bit? But my doctor says, he, he likes Thai food better than, than, than pizza because he, he, he eats too much pizza. And stuff. Got it. So on Friday, and so we go to we go across the pizza on Friday all, yeah. the, all the time. So. Yeah. Guns, anything for you? You guys aren't, you guys aren't really... You got none? But, like zero. but mm-hmm. what I do have is it's the same thing as group text. Mm. So, like, there's any pictures of you, mm-hmm. like eight, or eight guys, mm-hmm. there's always, always something, mm-hmm. you know, I always about, you know, hashtag. Yeah. You know, and we'll get at each other. It's, 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 mm-hmm. That's my social media. So it's yeah. like every day. So it's like, it's the same thing. I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, it has zero. Whatever you think of texting is, right. it's just as bad. Right. You know, because the phone's enabled to do it was funny as I was studying too this week it was I felt like I could even just kind of talk specifically about the phone about phones in general you know I mean I think that's probably the kind of the, the thing beneath the thing Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 
That's a good. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, the yeah because somebody would be like, oh, I'll just have a beer or two, and then yeah, hang out for a couple of hours, and then leave. Right. Yeah. So. But it just it's just weird how you use it, like you know. And so, like, before, I have my flip phone, and you weren't really on it too much unless you actually use it. You know. Yeah, like I said, I've been really thinking about doing that dumb phone. Well, I mean, people when you look something up now, it's right there. Yeah. Because before I had to pick up books and maybe I and you had to read through all the all the information. And then even when you read a book, you had to okay, this is important. Okay. Yeah. And then this is important. When you go to the internet, it's taking that ability right. of critical thinking. It's just like this is important. This is important. It's all yeah. bullet point like you know. Yeah. It's important. So you can kind of yeah. it, it making your tool. It's diminishing this tool. Yeah. 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 It's for it's rewiring that those pathways. Was, when we were in the, the dunes this week, I saw my nephew, and he's 14 or 15, and he was on his phone, and you know sometimes just kind of looking over his shoulder, and, and he was like in, in Snapchat, and they're just like. Like, I just was thinking about this all week long. I'm like, his brain is so, like, he was clicking through stuff so quickly. Like, I couldn't even keep track with what he was doing. But his brain has been rewired so that he can, you know, click, swipe, do, you know, any type, like, emoji, like, all this stuff. And it's like, holy smokes, his brain is completely being rewired, too. Yeah, it's, it's a little scary. Yeah, let me do a little conversation, see what...